We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. We believe all online services should be birthed from the Lord's localized ministries. We want you to know you have our permission to download and or forward this media to a hurting world. We live in troubling times. As global crises come and go, we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is attempting to gain our attention, and we need to listen. Our media outreach, I Am Media Productions, demonstrates compassion in action. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message. Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us 
He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus.
Lord, we come before you today on behalf of the persecuted saints. We choose to clearly understand that you assigned an angel to the persecuted church. You are the first, and you are the last, who was dead and has come to life. When you said that I know your tribulation and your poverty, but yet you are rich, I think about, Father, how rich the persecuted saints truly are. Rich in your love and mercies and tenderness. And even though it doesn't feel like you are protecting them, O God, we know that you are. We know that there are endless religions who claim to be authentic, when in reality they are of the synagogue of Satan. Father, you've asked us not to fear what we are about to suffer. We clearly understand that the devil is about to cast some of your precious children into prison or to be allowed to be put in the hands of persecutors to be tested. But we know that this kind of testing is very short-term. You asked us to be faithful unto death so that you may give us the crown of life. I will never forget when you said he... Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. I am reminded of what you said through your prophet Jeremiah. If you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for the part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. And as our enemy fights against us, they will not prevail over you, God, and we have to believe that they will not prevail over us, your children. Thank you for saying, O God, that you will deliver us from the hand of the wicked so that you may redeem us in a time of violence. There is no blessed reassurance like the promises that you give us in the word. I pray that every believer who hears this prayer would bring it close to their bosom and believe. We only pray in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, your precious Son. Amen. We thank each of you for joining us for the Revelation series number 13. Today we're going to be talking about the bitter church, also known as the persecuted church. I'll explain the term bitter in just a few moments, but we do want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Let's review our scripture today for the bitter and persecuted church. Revelations chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 tell us this. 
and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, The first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, you are rich, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and they are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Let's review some of the historical elements again of the bitter and persecuted church. Smyrna is an ancient city in present-day Izmir in Turkey. Izmir also incorporates the nearby ancient biblical cities of Ephesus, Pergamum, and Sardis. Smyrna was founded by the Ionians, coastal Greeks, at the center and strategic point on the Aegean coast of Antolia, Asia Minor. Smyrna rose to prominence before the Classical era. Its importance has remained practically uninterrupted to this day. Its initial location at the northeast corner of the tip of the Gulf of Smyrna is commonly called Old Smyrna. At the time of Alexander the Great, the new Smyrna comprised the city after its move to a new location on the slopes of Mount Pagos. The heart of the new city essentially dates from the late Hellenistic and early Roman periods. Let's look at the keynote for this particular church. It is the second church named in our study. The message to this church represents a period of unbelievable persecution starting around 303 AD. Constantine, a known Catholic political, had returned to Smyrna from the Eastern Front by the spring of 303 AD in time to witness the beginnings of the Great Persecution, the most severe persecution of Christians in Roman history. In late 302 AD, the Roman Emperor sent a messenger to the Oracle of Apollo with an inquiry about the Christians. He wanted to know where they were at, if they were hiding, and what impact they were having upon his territory. Constantine remembered being at the palace when the messenger returned. When the emperor accepted his court's mandate for universal persecution, all hell broke loose on those who lived in Smyrna. History tells us in about February of 303 AD, there was an order given for the destruction of the Smyrna Christian Church by condemning and burning the scriptures and seizing its treasures. Additional churches and scriptures were destroyed in the following months. Christians were deprived of official ranks and were imprisoned or put to death. It's not known whether the Constantine played any role in the persecution 
although it must be noted that Constantine was a loyal to the Roman state church, which is what we call today the Catholic Church. And supposedly, he had loyalty to the church at Smyrna. But when he found out the resistance of these authentic Christians, these indwelt type or born-again type, it posed a huge problem in regard to his loyalty to the Roman state church. Most secular history tells us that he, that he likely turned his head. After the massacre, he wrote in his guilt writings that he opposed the Roman emperor and his edicts against the worshipers of God. But history shows he did nothing to oppose the Christian persecution at the time. History does indicate his passivity regarding the event. It ended his trust with the Indoel Christians globally, although the Catholics remained loyal to him, in fact, to the very end. Let's look at Smyrna and how relevant it is for today. To this very day, many Christians consider Constantine the Great to be one of the greatest Christian leaders in history. I do not hold to such belief. I believe Constantine was a devout loyalist to the empirical and political control of the new Roman state church, now called Catholicism. Personally, I hold him responsible for the great persecution known in history of the early Christian church. He did more damage to the authentic Christians of this day, his day, than any other leader in church history. That's the facts. His passivity became abuse. By turning his head, he initiated 250 years of ruthless persecution. That's correct. 250 years of persecution followed his passivity. The Church of Smyrna has never recovered as a formal gathering to or of believers to this very day. Smyrna was known for the practice of idolatry, primarily Catholic symbolism and religious artifacts. The worshippers of such idols put pressure on the government to rid the Christians from the community. The Christians were strong, sturdy, and carried a favorable reputation of good works. They survived rejection and learned to live with meager means. They refused to buy into the local prosperity of the locals and were a force that had to be dealt with. Greeks, Romans, Jews, and politics came against them with everything they had. The results were noted by Christ himself in our passage of today. Polycarp was and is one of my favorite second-generation disciples. Polycarp was directly discipled by this beloved John. In fact, Polycarp became John's beloved disciple. History reveals that Polycarp was probably the last person to speak with John before he died. While it is a bit annoying to me, the Catholic Church turned him into a pope. Early pictures reveal him dressed like a pope, which he had no connection with the teachings of Nicholas, outside of coming against them. In fact, Polycarp was slain in the city of Smyrna. 
after 19 years of serving this city. While they failed to burn Polycarp at the stake, it was decided to stab him to death. This man's beloved devotion to John and the church is considered to be the tender recordings of loyalty in church history. Due to Polycarp's passion for truth and his ability to proclaim it, Christian persecution was indeed magnified. The true followers of John simply could not be shut up. Smyrna in general means bitterness and myrrh or the oil associated with death. Like all the names of the seven churches, each name prophetically describes the outcome of each church. A known fact. The church comes in first place in receiving the crown of life. The Smyrna church is alive today all over the world. There are suffering saints all over the globe and have been throughout the generations. John's faithful followers cannot be stopped. The more suffering, the more obedient they have become. The Smyrna church was suffering from the hands of the Roman pagans or state church and supposedly the authentic Jews, but we have learned in church history that they were the fake Jews that were coming against them. They were pretenders who, in the day of persecution, would side with the enemy. Why? Because they were the synagogue of Satan. Synagogue means Jewish house of prayer. This revelation statement of the synagogue of Satan means only one thing. Non-Messianic Jews or pretenders who serve Satan. It also implies that Satan will be portraying himself as a Jew an antichrist as such. Most likely in the final days, many Jews will receive this antichrist as the Messiah for whom they have long awaited. This group is who Jesus himself refers to in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9 as, quote, those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. In the end, as we know, true Jews will be Messianic Jews who follow Jesus Christ and are filled by his Spirit, which gives them the indwelling life of Jesus. The rest, I hate to say, will follow Satan to the pit of hell. The seriousness of God stating that no man can come unto the Father except by Christ seems horrifically rude, but I'm afraid it's true. This is the blunt reality of the gospel that hurts. Many of the people or races that we love, like the authentic Jews, will be faced with a second death and will be cast into the lake of fire because of their disbelief in, quote, no man comes unto the Father but through Jesus. The church of Smyrna's face costs them their families, friends, community, security of possessions, occupations, and even their lives. What a message for the believers of today. Most Christians in the Western Hemisphere sue other Christians for statements of rejection or defamation of character. Most of us have no idea what the Church of Smyrna is all about. Take great confidence in this. We will discover the true Church of Smyrna. Smyrna today, it's still alive and well, 
Just looking at some of the statistics over this past year, we discover that over 260 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution. Secondly, 2,983 Christians are killed for their faith. 9,488 churches and other Christian buildings are attacked. 3,711 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. These numbers are heartbreaking, and yet they do not tell the story, really. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That joy is what we see when we hear and work with Christians all over the world who suffer because they serve Jesus Christ. God cares about his people, and he will never leave or forsake them. Our final statement for today is, Beloved indwelt Christians, take joy in the power and strength of the Lord. Take courage in the everlasting covenant of God's eternal protection. Not of your body, but of your hearts. Jesus wants all believers to know he is in the midst of their pain. He will meet them right there in spite of the persecution. Persecution is one of the dearest and closest burdens of my heart. It would take a separate sermon to cover the kinds of persecution that Christians, true indwell born-again Christians, suffer with today. It's not just looking into some of these third world countries and seeing their arms removed or having them burned or having them tortured unto death. Persecution comes in all colors and it can be as simple as someone ignoring you. As we move forward in talking about the Church of Pergamum, keep this in mind. The persecuted saints carry special favor from our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls them rich. Until next time.